This is Real Talk for Real Men, episode number 16. Welcome to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast. Lifestyle advice for men so powerful, you'll want to run your life on it. And now your hosts, Guy Mullen and Chris Field. Well, hello there, men. Welcome back to Real Talk for Real Men. It's good to be back. And I'm Guy Mullen and with my friend, Chris Field. Hi, everybody. Great to be back with you. And we've got a question or a topic to discuss with you today that I think is very relevant for a whole lot of men. And that's basically what we might call living with uncertainty. What is God doing? What are his plans? How do we fit into them? And how do we deal with the fact that we don't always know exactly what God's doing and where things are at? It was pretty interesting talking to Glenn Weeks last week, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, incredible life. And I guess when you think about someone who has gone as a young man into a war zone where there's an enormous amount of uncertainty. We think there's uncertainty in our life. But when you're going into a war zone and there's shells dropping all around you, there's men dropping all around you and wondering whether the next bullet has your name on it. That is was uh, as an incredible environment where uncertainty is just something you've got to live with each and every day. And the researchers actually use that as a definition for stress. Stress being in a situation where there are things that could be very high stakes issues and they're completely out of your control. You've got mm. no control over whether mm. the next bullet's going to hit you or zing past. Yeah. Yeah. So it was obviously at that stage when Glenn Weeks' life, he was, uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't know God. He'd rebelled from his parents and he'd, he'd uh, joined the army to, uh, you know, because he realized he was going to get drafted anyway. So he thought he might as well join. And and after he'd finished up with the army, he wounded three times, got the got a a medal for uh, bravery under combat, and um, but uh, he was pretty messed up afterwards when he left, didn't he? Yes, and wonderfully, of course, the Lord was able to get into his life and and sort him all out. I guess the question for a lot of men today is: I now trust the Lord. I'm trying to get through my life. I'm trying to work out how things are going. But what's God doing? I prayed. I didn't get an answer. I'm uncertain. And, and for real men, uh, those issues don't mm. go away. We actually have to live with that that challenge of actually not knowing. And even though we trust God, um, how do you trust him when even the things you're expecting him to do don't happen the way you're expecting him to do them? Yeah. Well, I was having a conversation with uh, a guy who came to one of our live uh, events and I've been exchanging a few emails with him and he was he was uh, sort of pointing out to me, look, I want to see more of you telling the gospel in your posts. You know, that's what men need. They, mean, they need to be, they need to be, uh, they need to be to coming to, to, to hear that every, every, every time you open your mouth. And, and he has a point to some, to some degree, but also once we've done that, once we've actually have acknowledged, yes, we want to follow Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we've then actually got a life to live and we've got decisions to make. And the question is, how are we going to make the decisions that we have in front of us? Um, what, how are we going to face the uncertainty we have? How are we going to make decisions as a husband and as a father in our workplace? Um, how do we make those decisions? Where do we get the, the skills? Where do we get the knowledge from? Where do we get the wisdom from? Where do we get the, the counsel that we need? in order to make those decisions. And let me make an observation. This is not to depress anybody, but let me just make this observation. There is no magic pill. Mm. I think people have, have at different times presented 
biblical truth and the presence and reality of God and our salvation through Christ as if it was a magic pill. Mm. Like, just come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved. Mm. That's not true. Mm. You, you're born again. You become a part of God's family. You're God's mm. child. Your sins are forgiven. Uh, your eternal destination is transformed. But you're still living in the real world. Mm. And you're still having to make decisions day to day. You're still having to confront temptation, deal mm. with your flesh. You're still having to confront life challenges. Mm. And on top of that, your, your faith is going to be tested. So there's a whole lot of stuff that isn't solved just by mm. becoming a Christian. Yep. Some would say, oh, well, it's to do with the way you got baptized, or it's to do with whether you read the Bible, or it's to do with whether you memorize scripture, or it's to do with whether you have done a Bible college course. It's to do with whether you attend church regularly or whether you tithe. None of those things is in and of itself a magic pill. No. And there's nothing that you can do, even as a born-again, uh, wonderfully uh, excited Christian, that will take away the challenge of having to live every day uh, by putting your trust in the Lord and listening to His Word and faithfully and consistently trusting Him, even when you're not sure what He's doing. And maybe the classic example for me is Abraham. God speaks to him in Genesis chapter 12 and says, Now leave your home, pack up, get going, and go to a place that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you. Well, he didn't, he didn't get GPS coordinates for that place. You know, mm. He had to pack up. He had to sell up his home. He had to buy a tent. He didn't live in a tent before then. He spent the rest of his life living in tents, but he had to change his entire lifestyle, tell his wife and, his, and, and get his, his nephew Lot organized, and they had their sheep and their cattle, their servants, and, and become a traveling party and venture off not actually knowing where he was going. Yet he was God's man. He was a friend of God. He was the man who was going to uh, establish righteousness by faith. That is something every single one of us as believers uh, is excited to be a child of Abraham because we too have faith like he did. So despite all those wonderful things, he had to actually journey every single day as an act of faith, trusting that God was in control. He was going to get to some place or other. God was going to fulfill his word. And I think that's the model of what our life is actually like, even in our 21st century Christian living. Mm. And, you know, and Abraham is, is put up, he's mentioned in Hebrews 12, is obviously as someone who had great faith. And the scriptures say that uh, because of his faith, that was counted to him for righteousness. But yet there were times when he, he didn't have great faith either. When there were times when he doubted, like he went down to Egypt. So he, initially there was going into the land of, of Canaan and but he, he went on straight past and he went down to Canaan and he lied about his wife, uh, about her being his sister instead of really being his wife and in order to save his skin because he thought the Egyptians would kill him. And, uh, you know, and, and yet, it's, isn't that the thing that we can, we can have faith on the big picture, think, oh, wow, I'm going to do this great thing. God's shown me where I'm going to go. But yet we can have very little faith on smaller on smaller issues. And I think what that example picks up is something that we, we see right through a number of other major men and women of God in the scripture, that there's this element of, uh, I'm going to use the word compromise, that's probably the bad word to use. Imperfection. But, but yes, and a, a sense in which David could be um, God's man, he could be a man after God's own heart when he's chosen by God, and yet he still has Uriah killed and has an affair with Uriah's wife. Uh, so we see that imperfection, uh, non-perfectness, is in fact a part of the life experience of people who are, are men and women of God. And in a sense, there's something comforting about that, that we can continue to walk with the Lord and remain humble before Him 
And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. Mm. We don't become perfect. We, Christ was perfect, but we become more perfect over time. We, we, we are brought to a higher level of sanctification, um, living the way God wants us to. But as we journey, even when we slip, even when we make a mess of things, we can still pick up as Abraham did, as David did and others, and find God's grace and continue on that journey. So for those men listening who have said, well, hey, I've, I've done this Christian thing before, I've trusted God, and it doesn't work for me, it works for other people that I know, but it doesn't work for me, I want to just encourage you that even the patriarchs, the great men of the Scripture who messed up, God didn't write them off and he didn't give up on them, and his promises for them were still true, were still realized, and the same is true for you. God's promises and grace can still be realized in your life. Hmm. The other aspect is when you... You are a Christian and you feel pretty sure that you've heard from God. You're going to head down a path, but then things don't map out like you expect that they will. When you hear from God, you think, right, that's what I'm going to do. Here's the vision. I'm going to head down that direction and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it so. And then obstacles come up and you think, wow, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Now, you, you had... You, you've had that experience before, haven't you? Well, we did. And we had that experience particularly when we were trusting God with regard to our home. We've had the, a previous podcast about how we were evicted from our home twice. And that whole journey was one of looking to God and trusting him. And I will add here, by the way, the journey isn't over. Mm. As they say, it's not over till the fat lady sings. The, the story is still going. Uh, it hasn't completely turned out yet. And maybe if I can just digress and say, someone once said to a, a Christian man, how do you feel about your family turning out like this? And he said, oh, the family hasn't turned out yet. This, it's an unfinished work. Mm. When, it, when it's finally turned out, you'll see final what God's doing. final page hasn't been written. Yeah. Mm. And so I see in this challenge that the final pages haven't been written. I like the way you put that. But nonetheless, there was a sense of us asking God, what do we do here? What do we do now? Do we sell the house up? Do we stay in this struggle? Do we continue to hold our ground? Do we go to court? How's it going to work mm. out? And completely uncertain, knowing that God was leading us into the situation, but not knowing and believing, I guess, when we say not knowing the outcome, believing that the outcome is that we would win, that we would, the justice and righteousness uh, would be upheld and that, that if we held our ground, God would do great things. And then to find ourselves being evicted from the home, you know, you think, well, God, uh, this isn't how we thought it might be going to work out. Mm. We knew we could go back in. We did that. That was a triumph in and of itself. Uh, but that still didn't lead to the ultimate victory. There was still further legal wranglings, and then there was still a further eviction and different processes that took place. And for a number of years then, since then, we've been effectively homeless, uh, and we continue to look to God for the ultimate outcome, the ultimate resolution of that whole challenge, the final pages, as you, you refer to it. Mm. But there's this sense of trusting God and yet having all this uncertainty, mm. uh, expectations, hopes, uh, in our own mind, trying to work out how it might be going to come together and finding that uh, we've got no control over that. We, we really just have to trust him in the midst of all of that uncertainty. And you have the same challenge with with uh, issues in your family and uh, people that you're, you're dealing with where you know the outcome that you want, you know the prayers you want answered, you know mm. the blessing that you want to see come, but you can't you can't physically go up and grab it out of heaven and throw it down through a cloud and make it land on earth. You just have to keep trusting God, being obedient, being faithful. 
And I think of the scripture I picked up, uh, you, you think of um, how often it's said in scripture, actually, how long, O Lord? How long is this going to go on for? We find that in Psalms. We find that Habakkuk asked that question. We find that that question is being asked in the book of Revelation. So people who love and serve God find themselves still in that place of uncertainty. God, how much longer? Uh, when are you going to come through? When, when are you going to deal with the wicked people? When are you going to resolve? The... We know you're going to do it. Mm. But we're stuck in this place of uncertainty. Uh, we've got no control over your timing. And, and probably that's a key, that uncertainty is often really not so much about the outcome, but about the timing. And how do we keep trusting God when the, the days and the weeks and the months slip by and the outcome we've hoped for, we believe God showed us was going to be ours, hasn't come. Mm. And when we, when we read about how Jesus came to Saul and became Paul on the road to Damascus and uh, you know and at that point effectively called him to become an evangelist for the rest of his life his troubles were just beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, wasn't the end of all it of his wasn't, issues that wasn't the, that wasn't the silver <laughs> ticket you know I, I, I once worked somewhere and people said to me well being a Christian that's just it's just where it's just it's just getting a crutch. You're not strong enough to handle life on your own. You need a crutch to help you through. And no, uh, you know, really, being a Christian is is not the easy ticket. It's actually the start of carrying your burdens. Jesus says, "Take up your cross each day and follow me." And when we, when if you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, or you you know you consider there's only one of Jesus's disciples lived to die of old age. If you like John, all the others died martyrs' deaths. The <laughs> following Christ is not an easy, it's mm. not an easy walk. Well, let me reflect that back to Abraham again. Abraham was called by God in Genesis chapter 12 to leave home. And he did. Mm. Now that's an act of faith. He, he actually got up and did what God had asked him to do. That's awesome. Man of faith. Later on, uh, God promises him that he's, he's going to have descendants like the stars of the heaven he believes God and God says, because you believe me, I'm actually going to credit to you complete forgiveness of all of your sins. I'm going to call you righteous. I'm going to forget every lie you told, every proud pride you had in your heart, every jealousy, every bitterness, everything you've done wrong. I'm going to call you righteous because you've got faith. Mm. So there's another wonderful example of faith in Abraham's life. And you think, wow, well, well after two huge breakthroughs of faith like that, surely he should be able to coast on that. Mm. Uh, Isaac's born and Isaac's a young lad and then God says to him now take him up the mountain and kill him mm. you think what in the world is that all about he even though he'd expressed his faith in two really significant ways and one way that God actually responded and said I'm going to call you righteous because of the way you've responded in faith despite those high points of faith real landmarks of faith in his life his faith was tested yet again mm. would you offer Isaac on, on the on the altar for me so he takes him up to the mountain and is ready to kill his son and the angel of the Lord stops him and and says I see your faith that you're not withholding your son and that mm. ties in with that scripture that's oft repeated through through the word of God about the just shall live by faith you know you recognize that, that, that it's not just one moment of faith when we're nine years old or mm. when we're 26 mm. or, or when we're, we're 42 and we actually come and confront God and we have a moment of faith. Uh, Abraham had his moments of faith, but God was basically showing us through Abraham that we actually have to live that faith every day. Yeah. And so for those people caught in our topic about dealing with uncertainty, 
people that are, that are caught in a moment right now where there's uncertainty, how long before my marriage is going to sort out? How long before things are going to sort out with my kids? How long before I'm going to get this breakthrough in my work? Or how long before I'm going to be able to deal with these attitudes and thoughts and feelings that just seem to overpower me along the way? How long? The question that comes to us is, can you have faith in God now? Not what you did yesterday, not what you did when you were 19, but can you have faith in God now? And it's that now faith. In fact, we find that in the book of Hebrews, that opening words, now faith is. And in a real sense, you could maybe play with that and say, faith is now. Faith, faith is what you've got and what you believe now. So in the middle of your situation, in the middle of the, of the mess you've got, after the argument you just had, after the, the, the feelings of defeat that you're struggling with, after the bills have just arrived... Can you have faith now? And that was Abraham's testimony to us, an unhappy testimony, if you like, that even if you've had great landmarks of faith in the past, mm. your faith will be tested mm. because you have to live by it day by day through every day of uncertainty. Yep. Well, preach it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that, that's very true. And, and while you're just speaking there, I was just thinking of the word encouragement. Yeah. Because so often we need, that encouragement and I hope hopefully you're finding some of that through listening to to our podcast and you you're being encouraged that other people are you know going through uncertainty going through adversity even though we might be separated by long distances that um you know the, there are other people who know what you're going through mm. and uh we need to put one foot in front of the other and keep going each and each and every day you know and thinking thinking of you talked about king david before you know he was promised that he was going to be the king of Israel. But that didn't happen for a long time, a long time. And in the meantime, he was hunted. He was up in the in the hills, in, the, in goat country, up in uh, you know in Israel. I've, I've, I've been there actually myself, and it's a pretty rugged sort of place. You wouldn't want to be hanging out there without any food and water. And, um, you know, and, and he, he had to encourage himself. He had to find encouragement. God, of course, sent Jonathan along to him, which was kind of ironic that he was the King Saul's uh, son. He sent him along to be an encouragement to David, and we need to find those sources of encouragement, don't we? Well, I think you were saying earlier that you actually found something in your devotions over the last couple of days that actually spoke right into this. So. I did, yeah. Look, I've got a daughter who's very unwell at the moment. She's been pretty much bedridden all year. And um, and so this is a great source of discouragement and hard and hard thing to, for myself and for my wife to and of course, right you've now. got all the uncertainty of knowing got all the uncertainty when's it ever going to end. The doctors, the doctors don't know what they're doing, really. You know, it's outside of, of established medical procedures. If you can't fix it with drugs or with, or with surgery, then the conventional doctors aren't much help. So therefore, we're going around all the you know, alternative doctors and so on, if you like. Right. And there's enormous amount of uncertainty because there's nothing coming through in any of the tests. And I think just to, just to help the audience understand this, because I know this from talking to you about this, that your daughter is almost afraid of having another test or getting a test result because every time she gets a test result, we can't find something wrong. Mm. It really just breaks her heart. Because yeah. what she wants is, I want to know what it is. I yeah. want to know what to do with it. Yeah. And so, you know, when we're going through these sort of adversities, we need some encouragement. And and I was reading this. This is from the One Year Hearing His Voice devotional by who's the author, uh, Chris Teagan. And uh, I just want to read read this from July 30th. So the, the verse that 
he bases this on is Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. The Lord said, I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. And this is what, uh, this is what Chris says. Countless people are holding on to what they believe is a God-given dream, vision or purpose, and are thoroughly frustrated by how long it's taking to happen or how many detours they've had to take. It can be extremely painful to live between a promise and its fulfillment, wondering whether it has been lost, forgotten, forfeited, thwarted, or eternally delayed. It often seems as if God speaks and then sits on his words without doing anything about them. As frustrating as this is, it's normal for God. He gave Joseph dreams and then he took long years and a very winding path to make them manifest. He anointed David as king and then let obstacles to his throne stand in the way for a confusingly extended time. Abraham, Moses, Caleb and Joshua, the captives of Babylon, all of them waited far longer than they expected to. God has a confounding tendency to speak long before he plans to fulfill. Even while we wait, God is working behind the scenes. And during the process, our faith is stretched seemingly beyond its breaking point. Though, in the end, we find that it hasn't broken. We wrestle with God, ask many questions, cry out in desperation, and exercise more spiritual muscles than we thought we had. And it's terribly uncomfortable. But it's necessary. This is how God develops his people and prepares them for the weight of, of their calling. Don't give up on the, on the things that God has spoken. It may seem that he has forgotten them or chosen another direction, but he hasn't. He had enough foresight to speak only what he intended to accomplish. If he has said it, he will act on it. He is watching to see that his words are fulfilled. Wow. And that, as you read that, I think of that uh, scripture out of... Um, Psalm 105 verses 19, uh, talking about Joseph in the prison and having had the word of the Lord that, that by those dreams that he was going to be in an exalted position and he was in prison falsely accused with no way out. There, there, there was no, it doesn't even appear that it was like a 20 year sentence. It was like a, an open-ended imprisonment sentence for him. And mm. Psalm 105 verse 19 says, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. So he had the word of the Lord. It wasn't like he was misguided. He was on the wrong track. He wasn't barking up the wrong tree. But it was this timing thing again. And then we come back to faith. All of that testing was actually really testing his faith. Could he trust God? And thankfully, he did. And God brought it about. So we look forward to the day when your daughter's health completely turns around. Mm. Look forward to the day when we get the victory in the court where the things that we should have had sorted out are properly sorted out lawfully. Mm. We look forward to the day when the men listening to this find the victory, the success, the breakthrough that God's promised. Because his plans for them are good, isn't that what the scripture says? Yeah. My plans for you are good. Yep. Looking forward to that day when, when the word is fulfilled. Mm. So what's our closing word of encouragement to the guys? Guy, since you're the guy, <laughs> tell the guys... <laughs> Well, I think um, I think I think with what Jesus said. He said, "Trust in me." That's what he said. He said, "Trust, trust in me." And you know, there's there's nowhere else that we can turn that is more trustworthy than him. And I like what just coming back to what Glenn Weeks. One of the things Glenn Weeks said, which really struck me, is that God is bound by His word. Mm. You know, he 
he is bound by his word. You know, we tend to think of God can do anything and everything, but that's true in a sense, but he's also bound by his character and, and what, he, what he has said. So, uh, you know, the promises that he makes in his word, he keeps. And so trust in the Lord that he will do what he said he would do. And of course, that takes faith. And every day we live by faith, confident that God, you've got everything under control. You've got everything under control. I won't panic. I'm going to keep trusting you. And even though the word tries us, in due course, we see the breakthrough. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. All right. Well, it's been fun again. (laughs) Thank you for listening, men. And uh, we'd love to hear what you think about this. Perhaps you could uh, get in touch with us. And let us know what struggles you've been going through. We'd love to pray for you and, uh, and, and to let us, let us know what your story is. You can do that through the website. There's many wonderful ways that you can get in touch with us. We'd love to, to hear from you. Don't forget to find us on Facebook as well. And we'll be back next week. Looking forward to it. And just meanwhile, may you find faith every day. And may the Lord bless you in everything you put your hand to. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk for Real Men podcast at www.realmen247.org.